Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hey everybody, this is Studio C41 and I'm Bill Manning and we are here for a very different episode. Uh, This episode is not of any format that we normally do. Uh, This one is a recording that I did at the Syngear Expo that was held here in Atlanta. I believe it was October 7th and October 8th. And uh, Kodak Film Lab and Panavision got together and they hosted a uh, panel uh, talking about celluloid in the motion picture industry. Um, what was really cool about this is that they actually had the DP, um, for those that don't know what DP is, the director of photography, Stephen Campbell from The Walking Dead. Uh, including on this panel was Ruben Varela, who is the Panavision rep for the Atlanta area, in addition to Michael Brown, who we actually interviewed on a couple episodes back, and in addition, uh, Ron Height who is an editor, technical director, and post-prod supervisor, who is also going to be moderating this uh, this panel. So uh, this, bear with me, the episode uh, was in an environment that I couldn't really control or anything like that. So it does not, the audio quality is not what I would have had in like my studio. So this was me on a shotgun mic on a uh, camera, which I do also have video which we'll all put out onto YouTube here pretty soon. So without further ado, I present to you Walking with Celluloid by Kodak and Panavision. Um, with us today is Stephen Campbell. He is the cinematographer, one of the cinematographers for The Walking Dead. Uh, he also has worked on many series, including Lore, uh, Halt and Catch Fire, Endless Love, Unlimited, Frank vs. God, and a feature that actually I worked on as well, but you probably didn't know that, To Write Love Under Arms. Um, and uh, the uh, series in between her. He, mo- he shoots on all formats. He's shot on red camera in addition to film. He's shot on red camera, uh, HD formats, Alexa. We'll probably get into some other things he shot. Uh, he has a long history in this industry. He's worked on The Sopranos. He works on Tom Hanks' HBO Emmy award-winning From Earth to the Moon and many other things. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. Next to Steve is uh, Ruben Varela. Ruben works for Panavision uh, here in town, supporting the multiple shows that Panavision provides cameras to, uh, digital film and, and, and everything else. Um, he started his career... Uh, 30, over 30 years ago in Hollywood, working for a mechanical effects company, uh, working on shows such as Transformers, Top Gun, Terminator 1 and 2, and Exorcist 3. Uh, like I said, currently he, he was in the Dallas office for Panavision, where he uh, got to work with the Walking Dead pilot, which I'm assuming was shot in Dallas. I didn't know that. Um, and it was shot on 35mm film and 16 uh, by David Tatterall, Tatterson. Uh, and he's been in Atlanta ever since 2015. But he's supported Walking Dead's uh, for all eight seasons, I believe. Correct. And uh, finally, we have Michael Brown, who's vice president of Kodak Motion Picture Entertaining Group in the Southeast. 
Uh, Mike has been with Kodak for over 30 years, starting in New York, where he uh, tutored many professionals and students and uh, up-and-coming people about using motion, Kodak motion picture film uh, and transferring that film to from celluloid to digital or to data. Um, currently in the southeast, he's been here for quite a while. I've known Michael for many years, so in film to a lot of productions here in town and in all over the southeast. Uh, I believe it covers Texas now as well. Um, and is currently uh, managing the uh, film lab that Kodak owns here in town, um, one of very few film labs in, in the country, yeah. three yeah. in the country, and then and they also have a film lab in New York and a right. film lab in London, uh, but they handle in Atlanta uh, The Walking Dead, obviously, uh, and they've done Hidden Figures, The Blind Side, We Are Marshall, I, Tanya, Front Runner, Killer Man, Boy Erased, and The Banker Project recently. Right, The Banker Project just started this week. Just started this week. So uh, it's very good to have a resource like Kodak in town. Um, they also, and we'll get into this a little later, they provide some training uh, for shooting on film. And, and in a, I think in combination with the local 600. Uh, we'll do that, right. Um, and also with Panavision on uh, loading, loading training and also for filmmakers about benefits and, and how to shoot on film. You could each talk about um, how you got started with film and... Um, and we'll start there. Sure. Um, so we'll start with Steve. Yeah, I, I started um, like we used to start back in the day. We'd start out as a, uh, a loader, and then you'd be a second, and you'd be an operator or a first, and then an operator. So you worked through the industry. So I was able to see the industry shift through the film to digital and then come back to shooting film again. For, for me, it's been a really great opportunity because... Um, uh, to me, I, I still feel that the film response to what you see out there, the organic one, to me, is a more pleasing look. But, of course, we all have shot on HD formats, and we all have opportunity to shoot on film, but most of the producers don't want to shoot on it for the reasons that they give. It's usually budgetary or for you know ease of operation or w whatever reasons they give. But um, interesting enough is that... Um, what I wanted to talk with you guys about was this test that we did for the show this season. We shot in uh, Panavision uh, back in February. We did a changeover with the show. Uh, obviously, we have a new showrunner and a whole new look, a whole new feel, because it's going into a different world, and they want to try to keep their audience. So uh, we all know Andy's leaving. We all know those things. So how do you keep your audience in place? So. Back in February, we went to L.A., and the show and Angela said, well, what can we do? Let me, let me see what you guys can do. What, what, should we shoot the film on HD this season? I've been hearing all these different things, and I want you guys to show me what you can do with it. So we actually shot all the formats, all the current formats, which I've never been able to do before. We shot Super 16, we shot 35, we shot Helium, Red Helium, and we shot Alexa, 4K and 2K. We took the lenses, and we used the same lenses, Cook, the Cook Pancros, and we put them on all the formats and shot all the exact same setups, same lighting, everything. And what we designed from that is that um, obviously you're going to have a little more grain with 16 mil, which we've had over the years, and it's part of the show. It's part of what a character in the show is how I see it, because it gives you a look that's 
unlike a lot of the stuff that's out there on TV. Um, the, the 35 mil, much smoother, of course. I would shoot the whole show on 35 if we could, but again, you talk to the producers and they add it up and they say, no, we can't do that. Um, we shot the Alexa. Um, big concern back then was, well, we were always told that the makeup doesn't work in HD. And um, we said, and that was one of the things that Greg Nicotero was concerned about. He didn't want that rumor flying around, you know. Um, so we took the call sheet from the original test back in 2010 Frank had that Frank Darabont put together for the test. We tested the same exact things that they did, inside-outside, candlelight, uh, hot back exteriors, inside-dark, and we just did all the formats. And what we found out is the newer, obviously, HD cameras are a lot more sophisticated and a lot better looking than the Genesis and the F3 that they shot back then. But we also just saw that the, the smoothing that you have with the film, film products are, um, are, are a part of what the show is and what it looks like. Um, we could take an HD Alexa and we could actually make it look like film by adding the grain structure that we have with the film stocks. And the guys at um, the post house he tells me he's got 240 different types of grain structures that he can plug in on any given time. He just says, okay, let's look like that. So in a sense, you can actually match it all. But then we're looking at a show that works in the woods, and it works um, pretty fast, and it's kind of brutal. There's a few folks in here that have worked on it. And it's about speed also, as well as the look of the show. So we, we couple that in. Do we want to go out there with all the extra stuff that you bring, the tents and all the, t the 10 monitor setups, consideration for the producers? Well, do we want to do that? Um, so bottom line was we went through multiple tests and they, they threw it up on the wall and they all had their meetings and they said that for the personality of the show, we wanted to stay in film just because of what it offers us. And what I've done with DC, DC also shoots the Dwayne Manweller, he's the other DP. He was supposed to be here today, but he didn't come. So uh, we'll, get we'll get him later. But I'm speaking for him also. What we decided was in the past three seasons, four seasons, okay, so pilot was Darabont. Uh, season one, uh, they shot and um, they shot three different film stocks. They shot the 50 Daylight, the 250 Daylight, and they shot the Fast, the 19 stock. So they shot all those and they just mixed and matched like you would putting a lot in the camera and you say, okay, it's getting dark out, let's put the other stock in. So then season four, somehow we shifted and went one to one stock. We only shot the 19 stock. But 16 mil, 19 is the Fast stock. The grain structure is gonna be a lot bigger because you're trying to be more receptive so we were shooting that for everything and i'm saying i was always saying to myself why do we shoot the fast stop for everything outside we're putting nd12 in nd15 <laughs> the operator can't see because you in the these older cameras it's not like you're seeing the image like an alexa and you're or a red and you're getting the same image in a monitor the image coming to the camera it gets so much more opaque so I, I just, with DC talked this year, and we said, we're going to shoot the 50-day like it back again. And to me, I think it's made a huge difference with the look of the show, and I think you all see that too. 
outside, in the outside open air, there's a lot more contrast than there was before. Because when you shoot the fast stop and you're outside and you're in a building in a shadow, you can't dig any contrast out because the film sees in the shadows. So with using the 50 daylight stock now, we've gone into more darker images even outside. The woods is dark, the buildings underneath are dark. And I thought for me, to me, that's where the show should be. It should be dark and spooky. And we've always had problems in the past of just trying to take the light away. So this season, it's a lot of subtraction more than addition. But um, I found that um, you'll see the show, the look of the show this year is going to be uh, much different in the sense that um, there's a lot more um, darkness in it, even in the daytime. So, uh, but um, I'm always going to be a fan of the film stock just because for me to be out go with the light meter and the light meter is a gauge, but it's really how it looks to your eye. So you set a gauge and you say, well, that's what the meter says, but really, how does it look? And then once you get to know what the film stocks can do, then you can actually play in the sense that if it says 2.8, the, 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 the camera lens is not a 2.8. That's just where the light is at this point in time. So it's fun in that respect that I can actually put meters on every day and still do that. I actually went and bought another color temp meter. You know, <laughs> just keep going. If you need good meters, KEH camera. You guys know KEH? Anybody? Oh, yeah. That's where I go to get my meters because I can still get the old Minotas that nobody sells anymore. And there are, some of them are in really good shape. But um, to be able to use your meters and respond to what the film stock is makes the whole experience so much more uh, fun to me because you could say well that's what it is but what's the film going to see effects working with my brother-in-law who owned the company so i got a lot of exposure on the level of seeing how light comes together how photography comes together how effects comes together how all the facets of, of uh, movie making comes together at, a, at an early age i said this is the business that i want to be in. this is really cool i was going to go into law but i'm like Scrap that. <laughs> Why don't you read a book, you know, versus see this. So that's what led me to Pan '95, and it's been a fun ride. I never looked back. I've stayed with Panavision up to now, and and just meeting all the craftsmen and women who make the magic happen is, is really amazing. And to this day, I'm still amazed at the technology going forward of shows such as Marvel on that level. It's just what they're doing today is just, just truly amazing. A show like Walking Dead with their film cameras, um, it's a great look. And these guys who are shooting in the woods, I call it virtually like what I do on the weekends, camp, but they're holding cameras. I'm like, these guys are just get torn apart on a daily basis out there in the heat with the bugs and the scorpions and the and everything else you have in Georgia. <laughs> and I'm here to support them, and through the seasons, they do a phenomenal job shooting the show because they get minimal or call-ins regarding needing tech support. It's just, of course, I'll check in with them to see how they're doing, but overall, you guys do an amazing job with what you're doing. It's just like, wow. Versus the crews in an air-conditioned sound stage who squawk about the fish that they're having. Like, <laughs> working on Walking Dead for me, 
you'll, you'll get to learn. I, I think what people don't realize is that most of the, a lot of the Walking Dead is shot over the summertime. Yes, absolutely. In Georgia. <laughs> and um, I mean, it, the, the amount of humidity and heat that these guys deal with on a daily basis. So, is, I mean, it's off to the show. I appreciate that. It's amazing. Well, we have great support from Panavision. They've been supporting the show since the beginning. Um, we've always had um, really great results for a response for any kind of work that has to be done. Um, I mean, we should talk a little bit about this little camera that we're building right now. Yeah. We're the early development in the prototype stages of building the current 416 Aeroflex cameras, and we're Panavision. Pullen uh, Hill is my headquarter office, and we're in the development of making a, a 1080p HD tap for the crew. So it's going to be wonderful. It's been tested. Uh, Tom knows all the guys and girls across the board. They just absolutely love it. So we're going to go forward with it and uh, add a whole new element to the sure. show. We were talking this morning beforehand about the fact that our HD taps or taps that we actually allow the producers and the creative people that are in the tent to watch what we're shooting is on a level that <clears throat> it doesn't allow them to make very big dis creative decisions other than panning and tilting because a lot of the directors come here from Alexa or Red Jobs and they're seeing the image that's immaculate it's like that's exactly what you're going to get but we're still using kind of SD taps on our, our cameras so the, it reminds us of like the early 80s, 90s, where you're looking at the frame and it goes like this and then it goes away and it, you got to hit the side of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> we still do that. I mean, we're constantly going, somebody constantly hits something. I don't know what it is. And you hit it, does it actually make a difference? These I mean, are HIT. Yeah, so what we're doing now is Panavision, we're going to, we're designing a tap that allows them to shoot, see pure HD images in the video because they all want to have control and they said let's go for this so we haven't had we had it tested this year we haven't had it out on the set yet but hopefully it'll allow us to continue with the whole 16 vibe because a lot of the limitations are what are we seeing when we're shooting and that's what we get back from them a lot Oh, I could have decided that that should have been a red shirt if I knew that I could see it in the monitor. <laughs> so when you just look over there and look and you can see it's not a red shirt. That's the kind of conversations you have, you know? So it's appeasing the people at the top so we can continue to use this format as, as the personality of the show. Because it is. It really is the little grainy stuff and the little image and the fact that I see the response. I mean, we shot some stuff in the woods the other day. Of course, we shoot way past dark, but we're constantly doing that. But, you know, Alexa jobs, oh, just go to 1200 ASA and you can shoot another 20 minutes or whatever. So I actually was able to push one stop on the 400, on the 500T stop. So I got 800 ASA. We shot a 1-4 in the woods on the Steadicam. Wow. Matt Horn was pulling his hair out. And, um, but the shot actually works because you got the density. And so the tools are still available in the film world. It's just saying, because we used to do it all the time. We used to push the stock film stock. We used to pull the film stock. But that's all part of the creative organic process in film. So instead of just pushing the button over on the Alexa, you just go, oh, well, leave it in the soup a little a few minutes and maybe we'll get more out of it. And that's what we did. So. It actually works still. I wasn't sure if it was gonna, but it did. <laughs> the stuff looks great. Right. 
So I don't think with film versus digital, I don't think it's a verse right. film versus digital. I think there's just another tool to what you want to do as the as the maker. Um, me personally, I love working with film cameras because if you come into Panavision and we're doing a film job, and you approach the technical department, you'll know I'm working on a film camera because I'll have greases and tools and sandpaper and all the stuff to make this camera work because there's moving parts in a film camera, whereas in a digital camera, there's really no moving parts, right? It's just a computer with a sensor capturing an image with some processing. But with film cameras, I mean, you're having a lace film and you're listening to it, and you're tuning in the film, and um, there's so much involved in a film camera. And so I don't ever want the film to go away. So just just from a technical standpoint, do you find you're having to work more on, you mentioned you don't get a lot of calls from, from Walking Dead, but I imagine with digital cameras you get calls all the time. Yeah. And so the calls come in with digital regarding transmission issues, uh, Wi-Fi issues, things like that, uh, on the back end, like color issues, so we have to evaluate what's going on with the camera. Does the environment? Because it's so hot here. Oh uh, yeah, well, because digital cameras are producing their own heat. So with the factor of the, the natural temperatures of, of, of summer, that does uh, could create issues of uh, heat over you know the camera heating up too hot or, or what have you. So Michael, in your yes. uh, life in New York, where you were training. Yeah, I, actually, I just I wasn't. Uh, well, first, I just want to say thank you, Cindy Gear Atlanta, for coming here. And it's the first time you're coming to Atlanta, so I appreciate Cindy Gear and also Panavision for co-sponsoring this with us. And also, I've known Stephen for oh, close to 20 years now. And I, believe me, I when I first started, I think it was Mortal Kombat with Kodak. I met Stephen Campbell, and there's no classier person, professional on the set than Stephen. So it's an honor to share a panel as well as Ron. Met George Eastman and Tom. Said, that's how old I go back. It's been over 30 years. I was up in New York. Uh, and just to, because I think there's a lot of students here. Uh, I was working for another company, and I always, I liked photography. I liked still photography. I always wanted to work for Kodak, but they didn't have any decisions. So I kept dropping off my resume. And this shows you how, I mean, just be persistent uh, if you don't get the job. But I kept dropping off my resume. And at that time, Kodak was getting into uh, professional videotape. And the people at Kodak in the motion picture weren't interested in selling professional videotape. But I used that as my entry into Kodak. At the same time, there was a market called the student market that people weren't really interested in covering in Kodak. So I, I, that's how I got my entry into that. But through that, actually, with Kodak, I, I didn't tune. I, tune, I actually was tutored by a lot of people at Kodak who had years and years of experience. Uh, with motion picture film as, as motion picture processing. So they helped me. And I always uh, am grateful for that as far as how they uh, passed on, passed on that knowledge as far as processing the film. And from that, I have a better understanding how film works and how you all work on the set. But with that, then um, <clears throat> I lived in Brooklyn and then um, my wife, and we had two kids in a one bedroom apartment. And then Kodak said, Do you want to move to Florida? I said, Yep. <laughs> so we moved to Florida, and then from there, the geography changed. And met a lot of people, and I know Zoe over there. She used to work for Kodak, and I know there's a lot of people in Kodak in the industry who used to work for Kodak, and it's always great. But uh, then two years ago, our CEO Jeff Clark made a uh, how to make a difficult decision: should we stay or uh, 
uh, exit the film business, motion picture film mm-hmm. business, because it, it is a business, but it's also our responsibility to keep making celluloid. We thought we we feel so. He went out to the West Coast, met a lot of the top name directors in the studios, and uh, said, "Should we stay in the business?" Everybody said yes. So from that, we said, "Okay, we're committed to making film uh, because." They said it is. It's a business, and we'll keep doing it. Uh, and it's also our responsibility. We are also recognized that we have to support the infrastructure. And I know when I worked in New York, there were about ten labs, and uh, then there were nine. So we realized that we have to support the infrastructure. So we um, started a Kodak UK lab, and we also started a lab in New York, which there was none, so we didn't take it over. So it was Kodak New York, and that opened over a year ago. Then last year. Um, Crawford City Film that was here for many years. Uh, they had an opportunity for us to step in and, and run the, the lab and transfer facility. So City Film, Crawford, uh, that part of the business, the lab and transfer became Kodak Film at Atlanta. The important thing about it is, you know, Jesse Crawford and Bill Thornton, who ran those respective businesses, they paved the way for us to come in. But the the crew at the lab and also the transfer facilities, they came along with it. So together, there's with Kodak, we have. Film Lab Atlanta, we have over 100 years of uh, experience. So that's, I don't say that to frighten you, because we actually we are looking for people to come in because we realize we're like craftsmen. We need to educate young people coming in. But uh, so we run Kodak Film Lab Atlanta. And I, you know, I, I say that because a lot of people don't realize there's a lab here in Atlanta. There is a film lab here in Atlanta. We transfer, and we're doing well. And, um, and when I heard, I was on the local 600 panel before this, watching it. And everybody was talking about uh, new technology and also the shift going back to like vinyl records, analog. One of the things that I, uh, what's popular now and that's jumped in the last couple months is the format of 16 millimeter. Uh, and why? Why is 16 millimeter so popular? Green. Everybody wants to see green. In it. So, and those are some of the films that I shot. So, uh, did I answer your question? Yes. Okay. So um, I was going to get specifically into some of the Walking Dead stuff, and I know you guys use Super 16 majority. I, I would say probably what 80 percent of your 80 yeah, percent yeah. or more shot on, on Super 16, but you also do use 35, yeah, um, and a, and some digital formats. And I thought maybe you could talk about when you choose what format and sure. why you go to some of those other formats. Sure. So primarily the whole show, and then 35 for any effect shots, plates. Blue screens, tiling, things that we think the visual effects guys need more info for. So we carry a 35 camera the whole time. Um, we have shot Alexa on the show. Uh, I actually shot a whole season four, the whole, I shot a whole day of Alexa work when they introduced Abraham's character in Rosita. We shot the whole day with it and they didn't use one stick of it. Because <laughs> the producer said, well, I don't know how this got past us, but this is no way to introduce these new characters. Um, I shot the Alexa again. We did some green screen traveling stuff with um, with Michonne and Andy. Uh, this was uh, two seasons ago that we did on the... So you put green screens up and you travel them in the car and you talk and you make it look like it's moving and then it cuts right into 16 mil footage, which I thought worked really well because you can always take that Alexa footage and bend it and shape it to make it look like what you're shooting. So it depends, again, it's like we were saying, it depends, it's, it's a tool. It's a tool for what we're using it for. To tell the stories, we tell the stories in 16, and then when you have to do an effect shot, 
you need more stuff. Let's say you were going to cut somebody's head off, and they have to wear a blue sock on their head so that we can cut their head off. We'll shoot that on 35. If they want to make a shot where they have, they've only paid for 80 zombies, but they want 300, then you do, you do that where you tile them. You'll take them and they'll make them and them and them. So we use that for more information. But um, we shoot drones. Um, we have the. Um, we shoot drones 4K, so we've been doing a lot more of that this year. So we intercut all the formats. You know, again, it's what it, you can't put a 16 new camera on the drone. Well, not yet, at least. I was going to ask you, you guys attempted to do that? I bet you could. You could put it on one of those Opticams, you know. But they haven't really designed that to, to work together. I mean, you can put an Alexa on an Opticam, so why couldn't you put a 16? But now they just go up and we'll shoot that too. But again, the primary format has been Super 16, and um, uh, at this point, it's it's been working for us. It just allows us to work fast, and um, that's a big factor also, not as well as the look of the show. Yeah, as far as the shooting fast, because that's a big thing. I've, I've always I've talked to some of the other people involved and Tom Luce and things, and that was one of the major factors was how fast you can shoot on 16. Talk about how many cameras you sometimes have out there at one time. We always have two, and then we have three camera days for many days. Like eight eight-day episode, I'll usually have three cameras for five days, depending on the scenes. We've had four cameras out there. We've had five cameras in one day. One day we shot 35,000 feet, 16 yep. mil, in, yep. one, in one night shoot. Yep. Remember when What's-His-Name was hitting people in the head? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was in the lab that day, and, or, and if we you could think, not keep up. If you think was, about that, 35,000 feet of 16 mil film is enough to do an indie feature. Right. And we shot that in a 12-hour day. Wow. wow. So, yeah, there was, was a period that was a day camera, I think. Uh, <laughs> we also have the Sony A7s also. That's our what we call our place cameras. You can place them and because those are great images. So we just, um, you know, we mix and match. We were using for we were using cannons for that put-down camera. You know the camera you want to put anywhere, you can just put it. But I just thought the images in those and the fact that they would drop out too much. You and know? Sometimes they actually get trashed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The thing that the saying, Stephen, is that the 16-0 camera has a small footprint. You can take out three batteries and three mags and go all day versus... Entities that work versus with over the digital camera with the 16 mil camera, you can just do these types of shots. Yeah, you can really make it small. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think the other thing that I've heard a lot is that when you're shooting Super 16 or, or 16, um, you don't have to spend all that time setting up a digital village, a digital village, right? You know, you're not setting so you're up that some tethered cables. Yeah, we still have our, we still have our so called video village. You know, everybody has those three cameras set up for the director. And then they have three monitors set up for all the uh, the makeup wardrobe hair, which is over there. And then they'll have another monitor. So that's just what the the, the digital utility guy does. He makes sure that we're set up there. But there is no tent. There is no no coloring. There's no shifting of the. It's just shoot and go. So, and the other thing I, uh, is to touch on is that, that it really gets you and the director much more on the set because sure. everything you're doing is not. With scopes and monitors, you're doing everything next to the camera. So it keeps yeah. you as a cinematographer right there. Yeah, and as I said earlier, it also allows me to have that creative 
where I don't have to answer to what does it look like now, you know, where you're everyone's sharing the image. You have that that one day of it's going to look great. I mean, when I, I shot the one episode in season four where Andy takes out the the uh, people in the church, remember when he smacks what's his name and then you know. <laughs> so they wanted it really dark. So the producer writer was there on the set. And I was taking digital stills with my camera just to say, this is going to be really dark. But they were watching the video monitor on the video tap, which was very responsive because it's an auto gain thing. So they would look at an image and it would look for the darkest part and it would pull all the image out. So they were looking at these shots on the video assist and they're going, well, it's not dark enough. And I kept taking pictures and I'm going, it's going to be really dark. So at the point, the guys were going, oh, how dark is it going to be? It's really dark in there. <laughs> so, I mean, we were shooting essentially almost wide open in the room, and they didn't have any fill. It was just an edge light. But it's just that whole sharing that on the set thing where you say, well, you're, you're telling them what it's going to look like. But so many times they need that support of saying, well, what is it going to look like? Especially nowadays when you can... Just look at any HD monitor on a set and go, that's the image. So we have a, we're keeping a little bit to ours now by having a little bit more control still. Um, and we still get to go and sit in a coloring, which a lot of people, you know, they give us a, a whole, um, you know, a couple hours to go in and do our final coloring on every episode. Um, some auto shows don't allow that anymore. They just say, okay, once you expose it, you're out of here. And, give it to the post house and they'll do everything. But we still have time to, to get, get in there and look at the final color, which is great. Because they can put it anywhere they want. You know, they can say, well, right. it's supposed to be blue, but it's not, it's warm. I mean, guys have actually, we've had transfers where if they don't get the right information on the slate, they'll tr transfer it as daytime. So having that control also down the line at the back end is really important too. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, there's, Many formats that we, we do shoot, but again, the 16 is the storyteller. I mean, lenses become very important as well. Um, and are there things you can do with lenses on film that you don't necessarily can't do in digital? Or are there just differences in, in the lenses you choose because you're shooting on film? Yeah, I mean, we like the lenses that we can. We shoot the Zeiss Primes that we can actually shoot into the sky, that we can shoot into the sun so they don't flare out. Again, the show, the progress of the show was the first two seasons, they were all shot on Zooms. They were shoot, shot on Canon Zooms, so they would just shoot the frame and they would zoom in and get another one. And then when Mike Satrazimus got involved with the show, he was the operator early on. Here's a story for you. This is a career story, Mike Satrazimus. Operator on Walking Dead season two, three, DP season four, directing season four, directing and DPing, so I would switch off with him, five, six, and seven. And now he's executive producer of Fear of the Walking Dead. Oh, wow. So if you ever think that you're not possibly able to make it through this, you just press on. Mike is really, really talented guy. He's got a great image in his mind. He's got great framing. He's an intense guy. He eats operators alive, but um, <laughs> he, likes, he likes frames. And that's what we all like. We like frames. I mean... He just, it's interesting because he just came to direct the last episode, which I got to shoot for him. And it's a different format because he, the, uh, we have a 
another backstory. I'll just keep backstory. Our our operator, our A operator, D. Keener, Steadicam guy, he decided to do something at night but he broke his wrist. So he's no longer with us for another couple of weeks. So we bring his operator from Fear of the Walking Dead, Wong, very talented guy, but a whole different mindset on that show. The show is don't pan or tilt the camera. So Juan was saying to me, like on the second day, he said, is it okay if I pan the camera? <laughs> I said, yeah, you got to make the shot. Well, we don't pan the camera on the other show. <laughs> I'm serious. He sets frames, you keep them, and whatever happens, happens. And if you can eke it over, you eke it over. But um, I said, well, why don't you make the shot work another couple feet? You know, just move over there. So it's the mindset. It's the creative process of how you tell your story. And Mike has taken what we've done on Walking Dead for the last bunch of years, and he's taken the whole frame thing, and he's moved over to Fear of the Walking Dead. And it's all about frames. Kurosawa, you know? Just make a frame and make it work in there, and you don't have an editing converse, you know, there's no cuts. So it's just really interesting because each director has a different vibe when they come to the show, and you try to keep them in our vibe, you know, if we can. It's just everyone has a little niche of different way to tell what they're telling. Uh, one thing that just doesn't happen if he's not in Georgia, you know, to make the steps that he made from uh, camera operator sure. to DP to director, and also doesn't happen if you don't have people like Tom Moose and, and, right. and the walking and the production in Walking Dead that right. that actually lets people grow like that. Yeah, and Mike's got a passion too. He's got, yeah, he's got a passion, very unique passion. But, but for it, it. Georgia really can help a young uh, Michael sure, Young, yeah, but it can really. Help you grow in this. In this. I, I completely agree with that. Come from Los Angeles, Hollywood, you just don't see those career advancements like that. I mean, yeah. it's become even from a loader to a second to a first. It takes years, years and years. Not only that, but there's there's a lot of politics involved. Yeah. So you're not going to jump ahead of this guy when he's, you know, years doing that job. It just doesn't happen. And yeah. I noticed that uh, on the Walking Dead, that Tom has always been. I don't know if they do it now, but in years past. He specifically looked at the uh, schools in the area, like the uh, Nine School of the Arts, get, or um, SCAD, mm -hmm. uh, those film students to come in and start learning how to load film, which is, I know uh, the last panel they talked about um, Local 600 having a film loading workshop in a couple of weeks. I take advantage of that because that's one thing here constantly at Kodak as far as when these features come in want to shoot celluloid, they say, do you know film loaders? Because you used to learn that in film school, it's not uh, something that's picked up uh, at film schools any longer. Uh, so we're trying to do things at Kodak, but also I'm glad to see like Local 600, IATC, uh, ICG, all doing those programs to teach film making or loading it again, because it's very important. We just recently in Hollywood had conducted a Local 600 uh, magazine loading seminar. It was a big turning point. Yeah. It's because I know loaders rare yeah not too many who are doing it so there's a career opportunity there if you want to uh, proceed on that um, I, I, at this point we can either uh, we can open up for some questions and then come back with some post workflow stuff uh, maybe so if you guys have any questions let's go ahead and open it up a little bit in the episode um, and uh, yeah they brought out we've got a storyboard artist um, 
who um, works really, really quickly now. He does it in stages, but he does it live. In other words, you can sit with him and he'll he'll do these pencil drawings and then go away and come back. But yeah, I think for everybody involved on the shoot, everybody from production designer to wardrobe to everybody, to have the biggest, most complicated scene storyboarded, it just makes a lot of sense because it just explains to everybody where we're going with it. Um, yeah, I mean, Spielberg storyboards everything, right? So, I mean, if you can do that, I think it just it just helps to share the vision. Just out of curiosity, Steve, because it's based on a comic book. Do, they, do you look at the comics? Sure. They'll extract specific panels out um, and say, we want to create this. Because you're going, you got to have something to go off of. And uh, there's so much, the fan base is so huge that fans will actually see that frame and go, oh, that's from the comic book. So we've done a lot of those where they pull those as references. That's interesting. I can recall the trailer being, I'm sorry, the uh, the pilot being shot at the Pan and Region Dallas office. And I asked one of the, the camera assistants, I'm like, so what's the show about? Do you want to know what the show is about? And he goes in his backpack and he pulls out this, <laughs> this comic book called The Walking Dead. It was like, this fat, like a phone book. He was here, read this. I'm like, wow, okay. And here we are today. Right. Yeah. It's a total success show. Nine, nine seasons. Yeah. Uh, do you watch Davey? Yeah, I get my dailies on Blu-ray, and also they upload them on a server called Pix. And I usually look at them on my uh, iPad, because the image quality is probably the best. They all set them up for that. So... Um, yeah, I always watch dailies because I gotta know where we are. Because someone has to be able to tell us if it really is what it looks like, right? Because <laughs> a lot of times they don't look at anything until I get to the final. Yeah. But I watch them every night. Yeah, I have to see where we are. Because again, you're you're always experimenting with the stock. You're always experimenting with how it responds to light. And you might say, well, I didn't want to, I shouldn't have put so much down on that one. And another thing that I wanted to mention was that Kodak now has a scanner. Yes, so we are. We are, in, we are in heaven over there now. So now you're actually scanning the images. Each frame is scanned instead of just transferred before. So it makes a huge difference. And I'm actually seeing the difference because now the scanner is responding to the film negative. Whereas before, we had a spirit, correct? Correct. Yes. We had a spirit down at Sunny. Yeah, so the spirit was an analog system that responded to the film stock, and that's your image. Now you've got a scanner responding, and it's digging in. It's really digging in. So you almost can treat the film stock differently now. Like I'm giving it less light, because it's the scanner is so receptive to the film stock. So it all works off each other. It's like whatever you get on the end result is going to affect what you do in the beginning. And even when you're lighting a scene, you say, well, there's too much light up there. I want to take the light down. Oh, no, you don't. You only have five minutes because we have to shoot. Well, I'll do it later. It's not the same. You've got to do it on the set. I mean, even going and grab stuff. But to me, to do it on the set, it's so much better to be able to do it. So those are the kind of things when you're working because you're working in a time managed space where it's clicking all the time clicking and you've got to go well I've got two minutes I've got three minutes how much more can I do well I can't cut that wall because I don't have five minutes but can I grab it later yeah you can but honestly it's not the same 
cut it on the set if you can. So you need a really good key grip like Sonny Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give you a little uh, idea of the dailies, the, how, how it works as far as shooting the cellulite with The Walking Dead. You wrap, well, the film gets dropped off the lab usually about 1 o'clock in the morning. Somebody comes, a PA comes into the lab and just drops it off at the mail slot. The crew comes in at four o'clock in the morning and they start processing at five. And then it starts at six o'clock, it goes over to our uh, to the RTC, who starts uh, scanning it now. Thank you for the plug. We have a scanner, uh, 4K or 2K. And we start scanning, and depending on how much film uh, you shoot, it starts, we ingest it and render it, and then it goes out to LA to the editors by. Uh, early afternoon, so it, it may sound like a old film. It's anti, uh, a slow process. Actually, move pretty quick. I mean, yeah. you, you do have to sleep at some point. In time. <laughs> yeah, those dailies I'll see the next day. So if I shot something Monday, then I'll see them Tuesday mm-hmm. evening. I can go home and watch them at the end of the day. So that's kind of the timetable on how. Except when you see thirty-five thousand feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you work all weekend. But it's yeah. amazing how much film the lab processes for The Walking Dead. I think it was a number. Oh, every year we come up with a number. It's and, over a million feet. Uh, and tradition has with Kodak, if you shoot over a million feet, you get a case of champagne. Yeah. <laughs> I think we owe we owe them a vineyard right now. <laughs> but it, it's amazing how much film they do shoot, how much is shot, their ratio. You know, you would think on film are they going to shoot less, but they, they shoot a lot of film. Um, Eighteen thousand feet days is not unusual, um, but that gets processed very quickly. Um, runs through the processor very quickly and gets through. And on the West Coast, they're seeing stuff at editorial pretty much by lunchtime on their yeah. time. So you know. It goes pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, yeah. any, uh, more questions? Do you get a great uh, e-grip from moving fast your thoughts on fly swatters? I, I use them whenever I can. And what I've done this year is I've gone from using it as a silk or a, a translucent. I've been using solids a lot more now. Just okay. to take the so light can, away. Can you tell us what, what What's a fly swatter? <laughs> What's a fly swatter? <laughs> fly swatter is you take a condor and you put the 20 by rag on it, or it's either a diffuser or, or a solid to control the light. So I might prefer now just to take the light away, just because I have more control over it and it doesn't have that happy feeling. Because before we would do bright sun, fast stock with a grid. So what you're doing is you're just diffusing the bright light, and it's still bright. So now, if you can take the sun away completely, make it dark, and you have this light coming in, and then you just put in a little more. So if we're near a building or we're near trees, we, we create more tree vibe by putting rat, you know, put leaves on the end of it. Or if you're near a building, you can always say, oh, that's a building shadow. But to me, I think it just gives a much better controlled look than having just diffusing bright light. So as much control as you can get. So, But Tom Luce doesn't like fly sweaters. He thinks they take too much time. Where you put two together, and that was only one time. <laughs> How often are you allowed to experiment with like flashing and photochemical processing, additional time? Yeah, they, they like to have the control in sure. post. So, like, for example, this next episode we're doing, we're going to do the typical, I um, got knocked out, I look up, I can't see because I'm all weary and blurry. And immediately I said, well, let's get something cool. We can... No, we'll just do it in post. <laughs> because they don't, they want to have the control over it. Then we end up shooting one with and one without. You know, I mean, I've done so many over the years where you just say, well, let's try that. Let's try that. 
they just like to have the control over it later on. What I am trying to get them to do is to let me rent a cine fader. You guys know the cine fader? No. So I haven't got that to buy the off on that yet. But those are the kind of tools, you know, just stuff to mix it up a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's a system that came out of England. Oliver, this guy. Oh, Oliver. I think you record out to the print film. No, no. This is where you have two polarizers. They oh, put in them. Okay. They're put built together and they're rotating. So you know what happens if you take two polarizers and you rotate them together? It'll actually affect the light level. So what you do is you put two two polarizers together and then you put a little motor on your iris control, and the, these are all together in conjunction. So when you let more light in, you're letting more stop in with this controller, so you can contract your depth of field. So you can actually go from a 16 to a 28 outside. So if you're doing a close-up, doing a close-up on you, and you're in a pensive moment and you're thinking about something, you can change the background. The background will just go, whoosh, it's all kind of blurry and stuff. But he's he's selling them now. If you guys want to buy one, it's like thirty grand. Thirty grand. Yeah. But no, yeah, we took the tools. We use a lot of lambdas. We use a lot of. Um, uh, let's see. We've done ramping. You do ramping with the camera. See, the thing with the sixteen, the Super sixteen camera, you have to get an additional box if you want to ramp. Ramp needs go from different frame rates. Because if you change your frame rate, you're going to have to change the amount of light that hits the lens. So they have boxes for that. So we try to get them as much as we can built in. But again, it's all about telling the producers, I want this thing. And they say, well, what, how much does it rent for? And you say, well, how much it rents for? And they say, well, is it going to take any time? And it might take five minutes. And they'll say, no, you can't have it. <laughs> so we deal with that all the time. It's just a matter of making the day and keeping them and still making it look good. But... There's so many toys out there. We've had, we've had uh, the squishy thing, you know, lens babies. We've had ballast. We've had bellows. We've had slime focus. So yeah, they're all out there. It's just a matter of incline prism. We've done that a lot. Again, it's just a matter of being able to put it in there and say, I'm going to use it, and they're going to say, how much time does it take? So you just got to work your day in and say, I'm going to use that no matter what. <laughs> We get techno cranes usually every day, Phoenix cranes. Uh, we get um, uh, stabilized heads, a, a lot of, uh, we've used the Patriot camera a lot. So we use all the tools that are out there. It's again, you selectively using them so you can actually get them. You gotta justify what you're using, you know? But um, yeah, it's been good. I, I, to me, again, going back to the whole film thing, I'm just, I'm just lucky to say, hey, I, I'm still shooting on film. <laughs> and speaking of that, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the resurgence um, that we've assigned here. I was starting to show it, but I, I realized we should probably show it a little later. And it, it, it really, um, it, it's amazing how much stuff is shot on film these days. If really, because I, I asked Ron just to put that, because a lot of people ask us, is anyone shooting film? I mean, even when uh, Steve had mentioned about The Walking Dead is shot on 16, a lot of people only realize it is on film. But those are the, uh, a few of the films that are actually chose celluloid to tell their story. And as uh, Ruben had mentioned, uh, you know, it used to be film versus video or digital. And uh, I've been to a couple, I went to uh, a panel at SCAD uh, about making videos. And I, I listened to an art director and a director and a cinematographer. And they came uh, to their conclusion, it's not, it's not so much film 
versus digital? Is this more of whatever is in your up here as far as your vision, uh, how you want to tell your moving images? Some stories lend themselves to uh, digital ones and zeros, and some stories tell into uh, cellular. Uh, and just on, along those lines, as far as films that are shot on uh, celluloid, we do these workshops once a month at our lab, and uh, what's refreshing is when we do it, it it's, it's not so much people coming out to these workshops who are reminiscing, it's a new generation, and they want to learn celluloid. And it, I mean, it's, we're talking about the 16-millimeter cameras. I don't know if anyone has those, but it seems the value of those are starting to go up. Um, and if you do want to shoot film, uh, you're very fortunate here in Atlanta because you have a lab. Uh, we can transfer. And also there's Panavision who has uh, film cameras. And so it's all here. So um, we have some pamphlets here, not to make it a commercial, but you can reach out and talk to us about how to, uh, about our classes. Because we realize schools don't teach it. We have to. And that's one other thing I quickly wanted to add. Uh, we can only go, we only are, we're a small staff. There's a lot of people uh, who have been brought up on film. Uh, I, I always feel it's important to pass that knowledge on. So, uh, you know, teach people, young generations about film, because it is kind of like a craft, like blacksmiths. You have to pass along that craft um, because it is an art. I think everybody appreciates now that it's not so much old. It's like vinyl records. It's an art. So it's more appreciation of something. Uh, when when you are shooting on film, uh, the lab is giving you like a raw footage, or or you are giving uh, the color grading. We put out a process the negative. We only process negative film, sixteen or thirty-five, and we will transfer it to a hard drive or a file, uh, and then you can do the color grading. As soon as it goes from film to a file, then it's computer. I mean, then you don't understand that. Yeah, I guess your, your choice is, most people, like with Walking Dead, the film is transferred in kind of a raw state, or what's called a, a in this case now that they're scanning, it's a Cineon log, which respects the, 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 the linearity of the film and respects the, the, the quality, the, basically the film stock, and it, and, it, and it scans it to what the film stock is capable of. But if you look at that raw image, it's not, it's just like looking at a raw image off of any other camera. Um, and then it is typically color corrected after that. Um, and in dailies process, they do one color. The colorist who does the dailies for Walking Dead has been doing it since season one. Uh, so he's very familiar with the show. <laughs> and he sees, he's, he's, he's like the one person who sees every frame of film that's ever shot for The Walking Dead. Uh, I really guy's name is DC Cardinelli. RDC. Yeah, it's, it's there, DC. But so he he gives the first color pass on every film uh, for the daily's purposes. But the raw is kept, and that's what when they do the, all the offline editorial is all done with the dailies and, and everything. Uh, the VFX works goes back to the raw, and they they do it to that. And then the final color is always done from the raw. So you're 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 not ba you're never baking in a look until the final, and then. Uh, Walking Dead is fortunate, like like Stephen said, that that he gets to participate in that final color, which in television is not always yeah. the case. Um, so, okay. uh, was dynamic range um, a decision at all during, like, because you're shooting in very contrasty scenes out here in the summer heat of Georgia? Did you find the dynamic range in film being much? easier to deal with as opposed to something that would have been on digital? 
I find that the 50 daylight stock, you can't overexpose it. So, for example, if I was shooting into a bright white building, you'd have a lot more detail for longer amount of stop range, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Whereas the digital files, they kind of, they go into a strange place. When you get into overexposure, I'm not sure what it's called. It's either purple or green or, but it's the daylight stock, we found you can really overexpose it to the point where you can have range. So again, this season using that stock, where I would have maybe put an overhead over a dialogue scene in the past because we were shooting the fast stock, just because it would just blow like crazy. The slower stock is a lot more gentle on the highlights. But I've noticed that the lower stock you need some hot light to really make it sing. So you have to decide, because I choose the stock I'm shooting based on where we are in the day. Um, if I'm in a bright sunny place out in the open field, obviously that's there. If I'm shooting into something that's got hot light in it, I'll use it. But if it's an overcast day in the woods, I don't try to force it because it doesn't dig in as much, the 400. So you choose your stock based on that. But there is a difference the way that it sees the bright light than a digital format does because they call it clipping, I guess, whatever, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, I, that's one thing I noticed about this year's footage is going back because for me, I hadn't shot the 50 daylight for many, for the four or five years that I'd been on the show because we didn't have it. And it had been a while since I'd used it in the past. But bringing it back to season, it's become pretty much my favorite stock to be shooting outside. We'll do one last question in the back there. Okay. Yes, uh, so you mentioned that it was fast in this case. What's an average page count for Anywhere from six pages, six to nine pages. Uh, and again, it depends on the details. You know, it's that whole one eight thing battle scene, you know, we've had those, but uh, usually our scripts are, they're hour long shows. So the scripts don't tend to match the hour long because an hour long show on TV is 42 minutes. We get scripts that are 58 pages. So when I do the math, I don't understand. <laughs> we've got 58 pages, but we're only shooting 42 minutes. So a page is usually a minute. So somewhere in that mix, a lot of it doesn't get to the screen. So well, why are we shooting it? Well, because. So I've always wondered why, you know, when we go into prep, you, I always say, do you really need this scene? Do you really need this? Because you're adding three hours of work. So it's conversations we have all the time, but that's usually the way it runs. Is uh, the, it's all about pages and timings and things, but. Yeah, six days. We've had 12-page days, but that's when you get bottled up, you know. Uh, but our days are usually like you're here in the woods, and then you're over there at the hilltop, and you have to travel across, and then you go from there over to there. And they're always backing it up from time uh, with kids. There's so many factors involved. This next episode I'm doing has a bunch of minors in it. So now in prep, the producers, the UPMs are all thinking, Oh, how are we going to do it when we got minors? You know, so there's a lot of factors that go involved to it. Uh, when they can schedule them and when they have the page counts and all that stuff. And just know, guys, if you haven't seen a film camera and if you actually want to see the 416 camera, stop in at Panavision 
and I can show you that, or any other tools related to, to the film camera. I think you guys would be blown away. It's really cool. Again, I want to thank Sydney uh, Gear for having us. It's great that they brought this to Atlanta. Um, and thank Kodak and Panavision for sponsoring our, our panel. Um, is the Panavision table still outside? Uh, yes. So you yes. Yes. outside, uh, see some Panavision t-shirts and hats and all kinds of stuff like that. Yes. And uh, thank you for coming. And uh, don't forget tomorrow night. Oh, uh, and don't forget, yeah, tomorrow night. Uh, it's a, a, a should be a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you, Ron. Thank you very much.